Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No you are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are transitioning today, privates. Actually, all pandemic. <laughs> it's, it's been going on for a while. Yes, and not just us, but also our amazing guest, Jacqueline Moore, who is so funny on Twitter. It's hilarious. And is a showrunner of such esteemed shows as Queer as Folk, Dear White People. Super successful. Very impressive. Just an all-around bad bitch. And purveyor of fine amateur porn. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like amateurs, honestly, how amateur can you call someone with that much love and enthusiasm for the game. Agreed. Honestly, Jacqueline sucks a cock in a way that is not amateur. And I would want her to know that about <laughs> me knowing that. <laughs> We're going to get into it, but Jacqueline has a Ludes account, which is honestly one of my favorite places on the internet. Same. We love her. I got to know her at the beginning of the pandemic, pre-transition. And we had a little internet friendship and she's just delightful. And it's been awesome to see her go through this and really like come into her own in a way where you can tell like she's definitely happier now. I think that's kind of the number one theme. If there is a theme for any trans guests that we've had on the show, that the photos of them once they start transitioning have these like big old goofy happy yeah. smiles because they're getting to be themselves finally and it is truly gorgeous it's such a beautiful thing to watch yeah and, and there are so many other interesting parts about the transition to that we're going to get into and a lot of things nuances that you probably don't realize unless you've gone through it yourself i know there are a bunch of things in this interview that i was like huh interesting so Jacqueline's a wealth of knowledge. She's super hilarious and she's super hot, as you will hear us. <laughs> Very, <laughs> I mean, a hardcore flirt is one of our. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> essentially that cartoon thing where the heart thumps out of the chest and the eyes go out of the head and the steam comes out of the ears and it's like, oh, God, oh, God. And it's like, all right, you two are interviewing someone. Take it down. Normally, we try to keep it in our pants a little bit more, but hey, I stand Journalist by that. Journalist who? Never <laughs> knew her. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by it 100%. We apologize to everyone listening, but you will soon find out exactly why we're so obsessed with Jacqueline. So here we go. Bye. 
Jacqueline, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I feel like we've been coronavirus internet friends a little bit. and Absolutely. It's been amazing getting to know you, and I'm so excited to get to know you better. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to the podcast. All. Yes. First of all, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here. It's a joy to have you. We had so many scheduling things. And then Courtney and I were like, every time we reschedule an interview this many times, the interview is so always good. so good. Oh, so we were no like pressure. feeling really good. No, it's a good this. omen. It's a good omen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like being uh, shit on by a bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have a lot to talk about. We have sex work to talk about. We have transitioning during a pandemic to talk about. We have your spicy nudes account to talk about. Yes. We got a lot to cover. <laughs> so first of all, you tweeted this. It was so funny when I read it, but you did the coronavirus vaccine trial, right? Yes. And then you tweeted, you were like, oh, I guess one of the side effects is that <laughs> it makes you trans. I don't know. Look, <laughs> Pfizer is trying to cover the truth. And the truth <laughs> is that if you get the coronavirus vaccine, you'll become a tranny. That's just how it works. And let me tell you, being allowed to say that word, I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, you can be a top, a bottom, or you're a Moderna gay. Everyone knows <laughs> those are the designations. <laughs> that's all there is. That's all there is. Yeah, that's it. Well, let's start there. Let's start with that journey because, like, whoa, that's a lot. We had Savannah Manhattan on, and she also went through a, like, personal journey inside of a pandemic, and we've been talking about that with a lot of different people, and... What was your process like? When did you decide to come out? I mean, I knew I was different than the other boys from a very early age. <laughs> no, it's interesting because it's it's a little bit, to reference just a real series of problematic people, it's a little bit like the end of The Usual Suspects. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just feel bad for Chaz Palminteri because he's just there, just surrounded by cancellations. <laughs> He's like, I can't get dinner with anybody. Yeah, oh my God, I have to pretend I wasn't in this movie. He's like, I have blocked so many people in my phone. I have no one to text. My group <laughs> chat is dead. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, once I decided to come out, there's so many moments like the coffee mug falling at the end of that movie where you just realize, oh my God, it was so obvious. You know, and I think the earliest one for me is when I was like three or four, and I'd gotten to that age where my mom felt like it was inappropriate for me to go into the ladies' room with her at the YMCA and instead to go into the boys' by myself. And I remember crying, like, a lot. Aww. And at the time, my, you know, family was just like, oh, you know, what a pussy. <laughs> like, grow up. <laughs> Which, not wrong. <laughs> Half right. Um, get a pussy. Get a pussy. That's what they meant to say is get a pussy. And so, yeah, at the time, like in hindsight, it's like, oh, no shit. Like, I just felt like so much more at home. Where did you grow up, Jacqueline? In Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So you're like in the middle of America. Yes. Omeo, Omeo, Cleveland, Ohio. And Irish Catholic, 
very strictly Irish Catholic. I went to all-boy Catholic high school, which I am now, I think, one of, like, six female graduates in the 150-year history of the school. (laughs) I love that so much. I know. I, I, I tried to submit to the the alumni magazine. I don't think they published it. They're like, no, they can't. No, we're making queers over here. I know. I know. <laughs> but you know, they have, they do that thing. I always imagine that those alumni magazines have like a staff of journalists who are like investigating the graduates. Right. Of course, it's just like people, <laughs> people bragging and like sending in what's happened in their lives. Yeah. And so I sent in, they like email every once in a while to be like, is anything going on in your life? And I was like, well, I'm famous now, so... <laughs> Jacqueline Moore is doing X, Y, and Z. She is very happy. You know, whatever. We'll see. I don't think they published it. Yeah, so I went to All Boy Catholic High School. I hated it, obviously. Who could say why? Were you out as bi at that point? No, but people knew. I mean, like, I definitely... Like, I was, like, having sleepovers where I was, like, blowing people and, like, having, like, circle jerk kind of sleepovers mm-hmm. with people nice. who are now, like... So nice. People who are now like straight and married and I'm just like, but I know what your dick tastes like. (laughs) Yeah. And so I definitely, people knew I was queer and like to whatever. I wasn't out, but like I was Mm out-ish. And then I went to NYU and like very quickly became more out as a bi person sort of right away and started doing sex work pretty much right away. Like, literally, like, the first week I was at NYU, I, like, answered the ad on Craigslist adult work for bartenders. I throw air quotes around bartenders, but it was actually bartending. It just was bartending plus, I would say. But did you know? Did you know what it, like, the ad meant? (laughs) No, I didn't know for sure, but I knew that it said you had to be 18 plus, and in New York, you have to be 21 plus to be a bartender. So I knew some shenanigans were afoot, and I knew that it was in the adult work section, which I was looking through. So I definitely had some inkling. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. It seems like was for you exploring sex work and exploring your sexuality tied together. Yeah. I mean, the literally the first day I was at NYU, I discovered excellent DVD, which had glory holes in the back, like video booths, porn booths, and just like started being like, oh my God, like just all of the blowjobs I can give. I love this. I love that you're such a giver. Yes. I am such a giver, which is why I've worked so well in sex work. And even, exactly. you know, I'm a, I'm a switch, but I'm a switch because I think like many good switches, I am a very subby bottom who knows what I would like done to me. And so mm-hmm. like if somebody else is a subby bottom, I'm like, oh, I can get pleasure out of doing unto others as I would have done unto myself mm-hmm. um, to just like bring the full Catholic circle. yeah and so i answered an ad for adult uh for bartenders on craigslist and then ended up going to a job interview at a uh it was like in an office which was weird um but it was like an abandoned office like it it was this office (laughs) so it was this office building in uh in like herald square like across from macy's and it was like a wednesday afternoon uh and it was empty like it was like totally empty, which is like a very eerie thing to be in a New York office building Creepy. that has no nobody in it. But so I went to the suite number or whatever, knocked on the door, and this like big gross dude answered that was not attractive at all. But, you know, whatever, that's the job. And uh, he like invited me in, and the office behind him looked 
like an SEC raid had just happened. Like it was just like <laughs> paperwork everywhere. And yeah, I was going to say just like, bags of shredded documents <laughs> for some reason. Exactly. Like, like computers with like the hard drives pulled out of them. Like it was just like cables just like, and toner, a thin, a hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. It was some real, like the last third of Wolf of Wall Street vibes. <laughs> and so then this guy like brings me in and he sits me down and he goes, well, it's to bartend at gay sex parties. Is that something you're okay with? And I was like, yeah, that's great. And he goes, to get your cut of the tips, you, you know, you have to participate. Is that something you'd be okay with? And I was like, yeah, that's great. I would be wanting to go to parties like this anyway. Right. You're like, suckers, they're paying me for this. That would I know. Done for <laughs> Truly, that's always the best kind of sex work for me was that like once I, well, I eventually escorted for a long time, but you know, that was always the best is when I would show up somewhere and I'd be, it'd be like somebody cute or somebody would, and I would just be like, oh, you could have gotten this for free if you had just put in a little bit of work. <laughs> Happy to get paid though. Yeah. You know what they say? If you, uh, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I have to say, Jacqueline, my fantasy when I was younger yeah. was that I would do that, but I never did it. I never went for it. Let me say. It's never too late. You still could do it. OnlyFans is like my little dipping my toe in. I'm like. I know. <laughs> you have a great. Oh, if people don't subscribe, they should subscribe to Courtney's OnlyFans. It's fantastic. <laughs> One day we are going to do a shoot together. I know. I want to do it. One day we will do it. Now that I have titties that are no longer allowed on Instagram. That was the, the latest news was last night. I finally reached the point where my titties got thrown off Instagram. I saw that. That's awesome. And also, yeah, your titties look great. Just going to throw that compliment out there. <laughs> yeah. They're 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 coming together, right? Like they're they're kind of real titties now. When did you start hormones? May I ask? Of course you may. Um I started hormones December of last year. So, uh 8 months or so. 8 months exactly, actually. December 20th. Does it feel emotionally different? Yes, I am a mess. I literally was just in therapy right before this. Um, and what is better than going from therapy to a podcast, which is a form of therapy? <laughs> yeah, you get the like postmortem. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, I was just in therapy and I was talking about how shitty I had been feeling. And I, I she was like, well, um, are you like tracking your cycle? And I was like, I mean, I am, I have an app, but I haven't looked. And then I looked and it was like, yep, it's like the 20th of every month. I'm like a mess. Oh, the 20th to the 25th or so. I'm like just in, obviously I don't bleed, but I have like hormonal. Savannah symptoms. was saying the same thing. It's yeah. intense. So I'm very, hence the milkshake. I am like, my tits hurt. I'm like emotional. Somebody, I shot a porn with somebody the other day. I want to talk about that too. Cause I watched it. <laughs> You watched it? Oh, I, or really I watched it. the clips. I watched the clips. And oh, I, was like, I, was like, I went so down a whole ass rabbit hole. I was like, does that one have Jacqueline in it? Okay. <laughs> so you saw on her on her I Twitter. Went down, on her later. Twitter, I was like, honestly, if I would have had more free time, I would have paid to watch the whole thing, but I ran out. <laughs> Just, it's a solid nine minutes, I'll say. Um, but but and I love Christy, who I shot it with. She's lovely and a good friend and somebody I adore. But when she posted it, she posted, watch me fuck this BBW tranny. And it sent me into a full on oh, no. like, body shame cycle. 
which obviously I should not feel because that's fat phobic and whatever. But I'm also just like, I love BBW women. Like I've been with many BBW women. They're gorgeous. And if I searched for BBW women and I showed up, I would be like, that's not a BBW woman. That's not what I'm looking for. But it sent me on a whole thing because I was like, I don't have titties yet. I mean, I have titties, but I don't have I don't have titties yet. <laughs> you don't have titties. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why going lower with my voice makes them bigger, but um, I don't have titties yet. Um, uh, and I don't have like a big ass yet. And so I'm like, when I think BBW, I think those things. So it's kind of, sent me on a whole whole little spiral. And I was telling my therapist about it. And she's like, have you looked at your period tracker? And I was like, all right, fair play. Um, fair play. Am I British? I don't know. But no, let's talk about that for a second, though, because I also saw somebody just like, you posted this, but somebody just like straight up offering their opinion on like what being a woman should be or like, what was the DM that you got? So I got a DM about a makeup tip. Oh, yeah. That was basically about like not having, I should never have a dark lip and a dark eye at the same time. They were like, just so you know, woman rule. It's like, bitch, what? (laughs) You know what? Go on and oppress yourself, you dumb bitch. I know. And it was like. Someone else to do what they want. And it's so hard because like she was really sweet and she had been messaging me before, but it always kind of had that tone of sort of problematic mom vibes where you're like, oh, you mean so well, but no thank you. Yeah. It still comes across as gatekeeping womanhood in a way that's really fucked up. I mean, you're not wrong at all, but it's just there are so many people who are so aggressively terrible to me and who are like brigading my mentions or trying to dox Mm -hmm. me or like, Mm -hmm. you know, misgendering me on purpose or like, taking photos that I post where I feel cute and then like posting them on like transphobic forums and being like, have you seen him? He's trying to use a beauty filter. I wonder if he knows it's not working, you know, like shit like that. So that it's adjusted to the point where somebody, if somebody's going to be like, Oh my God, girl, you look so cute. Let me give you a tip. And it's like an unsolicited tip. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I don't like this, but like, also you said I was so cute. Like I was sort of like, <laughs> the, everybody's on such a curve because transphobia is, especially I'm in New Orleans right now for, I'm show running the new Queer as Folk. Congratulations, Amazing. by the way. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Um, and it's set here. So I moved down a few months before we started to like write here because I was like, well, I haven't lived there as a trans person, whatever. And it's been interesting because it's like very welcome it's like more welcoming than los angeles and new york to trans people while also being more hostile to them like the people who are welcoming are very welcoming it's like very familial it's very like girl you're one of us now like Mm -hmm. you're on the text chains you're coming here you're coming there do you need a drug dealer do you need a blah 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 (laughs) like what do you need we got you i need that level of service in la you know what i mean exactly (laughs) um But then the people who hate you feel no shame about letting you know they hate you. They feel no shame about hitting you. They feel no shame about touching you. Damn. Yeah. And and look, I've like had beer bottles thrown at me in Los Angeles. So it's not like only physical violence happens here. Trans shit is where gay shit was 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, I would say in LA and New York, like people know they're not supposed to be transphobic anymore but they are and they just, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's polite transphobia. I'll get, I won't get told we won't serve your kind here, but I'll be told like, I don't fit the dress code and I'll like look down mm. and be like in a cute dress and be like, 
what about this doesn't fit the dress code? It's just different. And also like queerness in LA and queerness in New York are kind of like assimilationist. Like they are the culture in some ways, or at least they're like very, if they're not the dominant culture, they are among the dominant right. cultures is like queer culture. Whereas that's not the case in New Orleans. Like there is a healthy queer scene, but it exists in sort of constant juxtaposition with a not queer world. And so it is more defiant, which makes it more welcoming. I don't know. Anyway, very interesting town to be a queer lady in. Hey, just because you're grown up doesn't mean you've outgrown bedtime stories. Whether you want a story to turn you on or wind you down for better sleep, Dipsy helps you get in touch with yourself for some extra sweet dreams. Mmm, I love that ghost dick. (laughs) Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Find stories about an off-limits hookup with your professor, meow, or a costume party that takes things to the next level, or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do or you try a new toy together. Yes, 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 yes. All that sounds amazing. And they release new stories every week, so there's always more to explore. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, there is something for everyone. Yeah, and it's really nice to keep finding new favorites. Plus, Dipsy also has wellness sessions that help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P- seastories.com slash private. That's dipsystories.com slash private. But to go back, you know, because if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be like, but what about that job interview? Exactly. Please. (laughs) I would too. So this guy was like, are you okay with that? I said, yes, I definitely am okay with that. And then he made me blow him. He took out his dick and made me blow him, which I was like, happy to do. And then he took naked photos of me, but I got the job. So like who took advantage of whom? <laughs> Still him? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. My bad. Um, but no. And then, so I started bartending at these gay sex parties in a jock strap. I would usually like end up getting fucked or fucking somebody on the bar or like around the place. And then from there, older gentlemen started asking me to go to dinner and there was no dinner or I was dinner. Um, <laughs> Delicious. Oh, honey, I am. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and so then I did sex work for like eight to 10 years, maybe a little longer off and on, like, but eight years full time and then sort of trailed off. But it's been in recent years that I've still dabbled. I shot a porno last week. So like, it's clearly not. You're not done. For the love of the game. Were you open about sex work always? No, 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 no. I started being open about sex work when Sesta Fosta passed. For those who don't know that are listening, I'm sure our lovely hosts are nodding, they know. But Sesta Fosta was this law that was passed uh, bipartisanly a few years ago that basically closes the loophole on the internet that makes it so that like the host of a website is not liable for illegal content that is hosted there, provided that they do their best to take it down when it's brought to their attention. This loophole is how like YouTube exists, how Facebook, every social media company exists. Sesta Fosta closed this loophole 
only with regard to human trafficking, which in the bill is defined to include all adult sex work. And it is the canary in the coal mine to what's happening with OnlyFans right now, to what happened with Pornhub a few months ago, to what happened with Backpage a year before that, and what happened with Rent Boy in the mid-2010s, which I was on at the time. And so once SESTA-FOSTA passed, although I guess Rent Boy got shut down before SESTA-FOSTA, but it's all the same same ideology, um, just getting canonized in the law. That's when I started being open about sex work because I saw so many of my friends, you know, a lot of my money eventually came from, you know, I'm truly bisexual, which I choose to use instead of pan, though pan is also uh, appropriate, but I, you know, whatever, organizing power in the letter B, we're we're in the first four letters uh, of LGBT, but I'm truly bisexual, so I could, cut for cuckold scenes, I could convincingly fuck both the woman in front of the man Uh. and then turn around and fuck the man and like be equally hard and equally convincing and equally whatever. And so I started to get a lot of work as like a plus one for like escorts and porn girls and whatever who were being hired for cuckold scenes. Love that niche. It was a good niche. It was a money-making niche. Lucrative niche. (laughs) The riches are in the niches. (laughs) Exactly. A hundred percent. Niches get riches. And yeah. And so I started making pretty good money. And, uh, but I, I worked with a lot of, you know, sex work can be a very solitary job. Uh, but I actually worked with a lot of different sex workers. And so I was friends with a bunch of people who, you know, I had been doing this thing, this job, because I loved it, but also because it like afforded me the ability to chase my dream, which was to like write for film and mm-hmm. TV and plays and all that shit and And it it works because you're doing it yeah (laughs) yeah it it worked I like achieved my dream I and I wouldn't have done it without sex work and so when Sesta Fosta passed it felt really important to not it would have been very easy to just like pretend it never happened to be like only fans and be like who are you guys (laughs) yeah oh my god like that's cool you guys are doing this good for you no but like it felt important to be like a visible person being like, no, I did this for a long time and a lot of my friends do. And it's mm-hmm. fucked up that this thing is happening. Um, so that's when I started being kind of open about my sex work stuff. And yeah, I still dabble occasionally, um, much less than I used to. Uh, you know, now it's mostly like a shoot or something if somebody, you know, wants to. I like did stunt dick work for a long time where I would like be the POV dick. That's amazing. Oh my God. That is amazing. That'd be at the top of my resume. (laughs) Yeah, look, she's six foot four and proportional. She had stuff to sell, (laughs) as Courtney knows from my my, well aware. My my Lude's account. I'm gonna follow that shit immediately. Yeah. You should anybody who wants to can. I'll give it out. It's Jacqueline Ludes. Follow it. I don't care. Can we dive into this? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Ludes account. I freaking love it. It's basically like your OnlyFans right now. And now it's like, why would you even move? You know, I know you were thinking about it, but... Yeah, no, I definitely won't. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about moving it so to raise money for stuff. Because I have like 500, 460 some followers on the Ludes account, which is pretty small, but, you know, considering... It's like a private account that you have to like ask to follow and I don't publicize it is more people than I thought would want to follow it. Yeah. So I was thinking of moving to OnlyFans to like raise money for trans trans issues or whatever. But now obviously that won't be happening. 
yeah, I would love to find a way to monetize it though, to, to do that at some yeah. point. But right now it's totally free. So yeah, follow Jacqueline Ludes, J-A-C-L-Y-N-L-E-W-D-S. Um, you still have to ask to follow it just because I because there are so many shitty folks who have stolen my pictures and put them on horrible places to make fun of me. I prefer to be able to kind of like see who's following me so that I can at least, if something were to happen, I can kind of like go through and like kind of mm-hmm. at least have the illusion of control. But I, I'm very open about it as Courtney knows. How long have you been posting on there? Four months-ish? I think even longer. I think um, since January. So like eight months almost, seven months. And, uh, you know, it started as, and it still is in some ways, I realized I was going to want pictures of my transition. I realized I was going to want to see how my body changed. I was realized I was going to want to see how my look evolved, how I, you know, part of it was like, I would say that I was, in terms of attractiveness, I was not like Coca-Cola levels of popular as a man, but I was like maybe Pepsi. Oh my God, hot. Maybe not your first choice, but like if it was at the restaurant and somebody was like, is this okay? You'd be like, yeah, no, that's good. Like second favorite, high up there, good for all seasons, good for all time zones. Jacqueline, the transition to Jacqueline has been weird because it feels like I went from being Pepsi again, like, I'm not saying I was like some like smoking hot person, but I was like, I'll say it for you. (laughs) Thank you. But I was like, I was cute and I was able to charge for sex for a long time. So like, clearly there was something of, of merit there, but now Jacqueline, it feels like I went from being Pepsi to being like boiling strawberry soda where it's like, a lot of people are not interested in boiling strawberry soda. But also it's like a puberty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. I'm going through puberty again for sure. But you know what I mean? Like the awkward stage of it all a little bit, like that's a transition, right? A hundred percent. I think, but I think part of it was about learning to love. Like I was confident when I was Jack. I didn't feel like me. I felt like I was wearing a disguise and I was depressed and I hated my life. I didn't hate my life. I had a lot of great things in my life. I had a lot of great people in my life. But I felt like something was wrong, and I knew what that thing was, and I knew it for years. And now I feel so much – I'm still depressed because it's not a panacea. It doesn't solve everything. But I feel so much better. I feel so much more myself. I feel great in so many ways. But it's hard to go from being someone who gets that validation from other people and enjoys it to being someone where you feel like, oh, I'm not cute anymore. Like, and that was what stopped me. Truthfully, that's what what stopped me from transitioning for so long was this fear of like, I'm going to be an ugly woman. And like, I am not an ugly man. And that is a mind fuck to be like, is it worth sacrificing? Like I used to say all the time. I mean, it's pretty privilege essentially is what you're talking about is possibly losing that. And it's like, considering you don't really know what you're going to look like or what your new look is going to be like, that's kind of like, you already know what you're giving up because you've been that version of you for a long time. You know how to rock it. So it's a little bit different when you suddenly are like, oh, the pretty privilege I've gotten so accustomed to is now like maybe going to be gone. I don't know. But I feel like that speaks to like society's, you know, pressure to be hot. It's like, should I be myself or should I be hot? Uh, Like guaranteed hot. And you want to choose guaranteed hot? It's like, what's wrong with us? (laughs) I know. But you know what? 
for years, like literally when I came out finally, a friend of mine reminded me that I would say this. Because I, you know, you always have a thing where you're like, are you surprised? And like a lot of my friends are like, no, we've no. talked about this. <laughs> like we've talked about this. We talked about this 10 years ago. What are you talking about? But a thing I would say a lot, I was worried I wasn't trans because I didn't feel, I felt like I wasn't dysmorphic enough uh. Uh, or dysphoric enough, both actually, because I didn't want, I still don't know what I'm going to do with bottom surgery if I'm going to do that. Like, and that's something that people want to ask when it's like not always their business, but I've also, I'm pro, pro uh, destigmatizing and demystifying. So like, no, like I still have a big dick and I'm going to maybe be a girl with a big dick. And like, that might be my future or maybe not. I don't know yet, but, mm-hmm. but, I, but because I did, because I wasn't somebody who like just wanted to like mutilate my body and like cut off my dick or like do whatever. I don't think that's mutilating your body by the way, but like a lot of people who are what we would call like eggs who are like assigned male at birth people who have not yet accepted that they're trans, uh, not yet hatched. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. They, a lot of times will describe this like revulsion with their own body. And I never quite felt that I liked my body, but I didn't feel at home in it. And there's like a difference between, being okay and being like at home in something. But I would use this as a reason not to transition because I would say I'm not not dysphoric enough. That said, if a witch though were to come to me and say, I can snap my fingers and you will be a equivalently attractive, whatever that means, woman tomorrow, but you can never go back and it's a one-time choice, would you do it? I would say yes without hesitation. Like there wouldn't be a moment of like debate. I would just be like, yeah, I have to please do that. And my therapist finally was listening to me say this one time. It was just like, that's great. But you do know that like a cis man wouldn't answer the question that way. Um, and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, cis man is telling the witch no. Like, and I was like, oh, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that at all. That's so funny. And that was one of the things among a few others that like kind of cracked my egg. Also, Christian Cherico. I don't know if you guys know her. She's a wonderful internet person who's a friend of mine who at one point was just like, so you're a trans girl, right? Like, you know that, right? And I was like, yeah, I do. How did you know that? You know, she's the best. Um, But uh, how did, sorry, did she answer? How did she know that? Well, she, I mean, I I think just talking, I think I was saying a lot of things I said to my therapist and she was like, Okay, cool. I mean, what essentially it is, I think, is like if you are actually have good friends that you're being yourself around, then they're just going to be mirrors to you at some point. And if you are ready to see the mirror reflecting back at you, a girl, <laughs> then you're going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> but they're only going to be able to show you that if you're ready to see it. You know, they can't really. Yeah. But so this was to bring it back kind of full circle again, this is why I started the Ludes account was because I was like, I need to learn how to be cute as a girl. And that's not to say like, yes, cuteness is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. Attractiveness, all that. We live in a society and yes, I'm vain. And that's a problem that I'm working through. But also like I wanted to learn how to be sexy. And I, again, and like, Learn how to feel sexy, maybe even more importantly than being mm-hmm. sexy. And that is why I started the account and started taking nudes. And part of it was body documentation. Part of it was like doc, just documenting my journey and, uh, and like 
that process. And it's been so rewarding. I like, I love it so much. And it's, I think it probably serves a similar purpose in some ways in my life that Courtney, that your only fan serves in yours Mm -hmm. of just being this like a way to connect with a part of myself that maybe doesn't. I totally feel that. Cause like I'm in a relationship right now and I love this fool (laughs) and like, I might marry him, but part of me is like, is this, my whole sexuality now because it doesn't feel like that you know and so I get a place to play with that kind of safely on your own terms yeah. on my own terms but Jacqueline what has been awesome about following your account and I feel like I've been following it pretty much from the beginning I think you were one of the first people to follow it yeah <laughs> so no I love it <laughs> please be thirsty whenever you want Courtney was just <laughs> sitting there being like <laughs> I was I had actually started following before you started the account so <laughs> yeah I signed up and there was one follower it was very weird <laughs> Courtney was like the Tom on MySpace of my loots account like, <laughs> you sign up and it's like waiting for you you're like how did she poke me on Instagram <laughs> I hope things weird. turn out okay for me <laughs> No, but what's been awesome about it has been kind of watching you come into your own in this journey. And like, you do seem, you know, I know you said you felt so confident before and like, but I'm seeing that now these days too. And like, I know everybody has bad days and I'm sure you have transition related bad days that you're like, why is this person being like a fucking asshole? But overall, I've just seen like this really kind of, beautiful confidence growth in you and it's been really cool thank you it feels uh it feels good the weirdest thing actually about it is that as i've gotten more confident like the video i posted those videos uh of the porn shoot um or like the teasers for the porn shoot not like the shoot itself and now it weirdly feels like it's like maybe too much for some people (laughs) that have been following it that's their problem (laughs) i know but who were maybe expecting just like some tasteful like trans booby pics, and now it's just like me getting railed, and it's like, uh... oh, so y'all just want to tweet about getting railed in a sundress? Y'all don't want to watch that shit? Okay. I mean, I went. That's to, on you. I went to my Cantique L.A. lingerie, uh, and I wanted to put that shit to work. Shout out to Chelsea at Cantique. <laughs> You, okay, that was such a cute set. I love that brand. And let's talk about this shoot because very hot. And also I saw that you tweeted afterwards, like, I love having sex with trans people. And like, yeah, I just, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Like, um, is it yeah. like the willingness to experiment or? I think it's a little bit that. I think part of it is, I don't know that I would only date trans people at this point. Like I, I definitely date do date cis people still and and certainly have my crushes on on uh some cis ladies and boys oh my god i'm so embarrassed don't do this don't do this in front of courtney jacqueline this is so (laughs) embarrassing okay sophia it's just like about time that you and i courtney can you like can you like mute yours and like change the tone worst day of my life (laughs) we're just gonna i just like take my clothes off on this it's like Oh no, we've made a horrible mistake. Why did I'm you like, oh, up? Courtney's left the Zoom. That's so weird. Courtney's like, how did she make me leave? 
<laughs> I'm like, I don't know. There's a failure. I don't know. It's, it was, it was, it must've been a, like a glitch for just straight people. It just kicked uh, them out the Zoom now. I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, I still, I, I, Sophia, you included now. I mean, come on, that level of flirting, I'm in. Uh, but, <laughs> um, I don't know that I could ever date someone who hasn't been on some kind of gender journey. That doesn't mean they have to be non-binary or trans, but they have to have like thought about it or like explored it in some way or, or questioned it at a moment or something. And I, I only say that because what I've discovered from dating cis people otherwise is that if they haven't been on a gender journey, dating me will be their gender journey. And like, uh, and you don't have time for all of that. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, like, I just like, it's a real, you end up feeling like you're someone's like accessory. Like you end up feeling like you're like a trans purse that they want to like show off to their friends and be cool and like different. And then like after a few dates or whatever, it's like, oh, that's just like a lot. And like, I don't know that I have this in me. And like, you know, like, is this right for me? I don't know. And you're like, cool, great. Glad, glad we did this. And yeah, and with trans people, there's like a level of comfort with the fact that like we all fucking know the deal. Like, mm -hmm. and that's trans men, trans women, non-binary non people. Like we all, there's like a comfort around different bodies. There's a comfort around the conversations, you know, like there's nothing better to me than the moment when like we're getting hot and heavy and someone's like grabbing under my skirt and starts to talk about my dick and then goes, is dick okay? Do you, we could call it something else. Do you want, and I like answer and then we move on. And it's like, I think for a lot of cis people, certainly for a lot of straight people, no offense, you always hear like, wouldn't that ruin the mood? And it's like, no, it doesn't. You're like doing a pause in the middle, but you're not even pausing. It's more like. You're just like asking your partner, like, do you want me to put ketchup on that? Or are you going to yeah, the sandwich? It's just <laughs> like, you're it's just, just asking like a check -in. question. It's yeah. a, it's a it's check-in check and it's a, it's not and a... it's a comforting check-in. It's a check-in that makes me feel more willing to open up and to be freaky or, you know, play in. Cause the other part of this is like, I'm also like clearly a pervert and like I, that word is thrown against trans people a lot to mean like our identity is perversion, which it's not. Um, right. Though I have actually, that's something I would like to talk about because uh, it's been bugging me. <laughs> okay. And I want to get it off my chest, but you know, I am somebody who like self identifies as a pervert because I like the fucking dark parts of sex. I've like been assaulted in the past. I've like had, dark things happen to me and recontextualizing those dark things in healthy, fun ways mm -hmm. is like really cathartic and really empowering and playing in the deep end of the sexual pool with other people who are versed in the deep end of the sexual pool is a super rewarding, wonderful thing. And I feel like trans people, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I don't know any trans person whose transness has not been tied to trauma in some way. Not that it's caused by it, not that trauma makes you trans, but I don't know how you could be trans in America at any point from this moment into the past. And honestly, presumably for the at least foreseeable future without being traumatized around your transness. Cause it's, <laughs> we live in such a hostile place for it. And so I don't know. I, I feel like 
trans people are much more, I guess, yeah, open-minded or feel much more open-minded about so many things to me. Yeah, what you're saying is also reminiscent to me of like my black friends talking about how it's sometimes exhausting being the first black boyfriend or the first black girlfriend that a white person has. And it's like, yeah, you just you get tired of being that like special new thing, being their like cultural guide or whatever. Yeah, it's no thank you. I don't want to. People just want to be people. And I, it's, you know what, for the right person, I'll say, I don't want to do that. I'm sure for the right person, I would do that if it was like a real serious thing. The problem is it's really hard to tell who's the real serious thing and who's mm-hmm. not. And I feel not just from an estrogen standpoint, though, certainly from that, my skin is thinner now than it was two years ago. I cry much more easily. I'm just like much more vulnerable. And as a result, I sometimes feel taken advantage of in ways that I maybe didn't before. I also think it's hard because I'm just to be like blunt about it. Like I'm successful. And I do think that sometimes like the fact that I'm vulnerable around my transness and around my gender is an, some people see as an opportunity for like career advancement, you know, where it's sort of like, Oh no, I think you're so cute. I'd love to spend time with you. And then you're like, Oh, or do you want me to read your pilot? Like, (laughs) Ugh, that's like the L.A. underbelly to any kind of... Yeah, but what's really weird friends? is... But of course, but the, and that's true. But like as a guy, when I was presenting as a guy, that kind of shit happened. But like I was kind of aware of it. And like it was mixed in with a lot of people who just were like interested in me. And now there have been a number of times where I'm just like, I feel very gross about what just happened because I thought we were on like a cute date and then... You know, one person asked me to read their pilot and, you know, they were a butch lesbian. Oh, on a date? Well, yeah, but like it was, it was not super inappropriate when it was timed, like in conversation, but they were a butch lesbian and it felt really, there's nothing more validating as a trans woman than a butch lesbian being attracted to you because you know they don't fuck with men. And so like that feels like, oh my God, who, me? I'm so (laughs) femme. Tell me more. This little lady. Exactly. And then after we had hooked up, she was like, yeah, I don't think we should do this again because like you're so great, but um, you know, it's just such a shame about the dick because you're so close to being a real woman. And now granted, she was drunk. We were drunk. It's such a shame about your body. Never say that to someone. Yeah, it's not great. People feel wildly comfortable saying all sorts of mess to trans folks. Cokes, be honest. Have you been avoiding going to the doctor this past pandemic year? I'm not trying to get corona, bitch. (laughs) That is the correct answer to a trick question. And can we be honest about how annoying it is to make an appointment and then go see a doctor just to get birth control or erectile dysfunction meds? Who wants to do that? Nobody. I'm staying at home in my sweatpants. Exactly. Which is why Eve Adam is the service for you. Because Eve Adam lets you meet with a doctor and get medication right from your couch. That's right, you can skip the phone calls, parking lots, waiting rooms, and pharmacy lines and just meet with the doctor on Eve Adam. Order your medication through your device and get refills delivered to your door on a schedule you set. Amazing. And in case you're worried, Eve Adam works with licensed doctors and an NABP accredited digital pharmacy, so you guys are in safe hands. 
And if you have any questions along the way, you can easily chat with a licensed physician through the chat feature in your account. Evatom offers brand names, affordable generics, and everything in between. They also offer birth control in a variety of forms, from pills to patches and rings. Evatom has all the resources you need to get the ideal medication for you. I love all the birth control choices. That is so nice. And you know what else is nice? Right now, Eve Adam is offering our listeners, you privates, 10% off when you go to eveadam.com slash private and enter code private at checkout. That's 10% off when you go to eveadam.com slash private and enter code private at checkout. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of fetishization because trans women are very fetishized. And I, like any good hoe, I'm happy to be fetishized. Totally. Fetishize. <laughs> fetishize me, daddy. Like, please. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> Sophia, you're just, I love the way your brain works. Um, Stop. No, but I love being fetishized as long as I'm a participant in it, as long as I'm choosing to be fetishized, as long as I'm, you know, like objectify me. Like, that's great if I'm a part of it. But the other side of that is that you know, there's a, a big crossover, right? There's a whole industry of porn that basically like plays with trans identity, that plays with queer identity. You know, you have your forced by porn, you have your uh, feminization porn, sissification porn, mm -hmm. the whole idea of sissies as a thing or traps or like there's all of this stuff that's very, very popular for a reason. Now, I think part of that reason is because our society does not allow these conversations around gender to basically happen, especially for men, but mm -hmm. also just in general. And so therefore the place these conversations end up coming out is in porn because that's a private thing. And with when you're just left with the, the anonymity of the search bar, you can be your real self. So I do think there are probably a lot of trans women who like fuck with or a lot of like eggs, you know, pre-trans women who fuck with sissification porn or feminization porn or domination that's built around that kind of stuff, whatever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That is sexuality and gender is a complicated thing. Now, transphobes and TERFs will tell us that that sort of fetishization of womanhood invalidates a trans woman's identity. The idea that like they're saying that it's not a fetish, that this is who I am is invalidated because it existed in a fetish state at some point for them. This is obviously bullshit, but right. like this is the rhetoric we deal with. And the easiest way to see this is bullshit is that when I, I was raised Catholic, like I said earlier, very strictly Catholic, all boy Catholic high school. Shame is part of my sexual love language. It just is like, you Shame. can't, right. You can't escape it. If that's, your background, even if it's not your background, it's hard to escape sometimes living in a puritanical sex negative society. So when I was identifying as a queer man, if and when, because I did have sex with people who would, if I was having sex with a woman who I wanted to peg me and then like shove the dick down my throat and call me a faggot, nobody out there would be like, I don't think you're actually queer. I think you're just fetishizing queerness. <laughs> no, they'd be like, yeah, it seems like you're a faggot. Obviously, the people who uh, say these arguments often love words like that, too. 
But when you apply it to trans people, suddenly it's invalidating. Suddenly it's like, well, no, because it's a fetish, therefore it can't be your identity. The other aspect of it that makes it so clear is like, if either of you fetishized your own bodies, we would all see that and society would deem that as self-love. Like, yeah. And that's- and the other thing is that we do because Courtney and I only think of ourselves when we masturbate. So literally I mean, we are the thing you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay. First off, super hot. Didn't know that. Love it for both of you. <laughs> we cannot. We've tried picturing other people. They have no faces. They're not. They're just body parts to us. It's really about our body. Honestly, I've gotten a couple it. other things to work recently, but. Oh, really? Okay. Myself, let me know. Mostly myself. Oh my God. I mean, I knew my Lutz account was good, Courtney, but I didn't know it was that good. I mean, uh, porn. <laughs> But yeah, if you fetishize your own body, it's self-love. But if I were to fetishize my body right now, it's I'm a fetishist. I'm not a woman. But wouldn't it be weirder if I was not sexually into being a woman? Yeah, it's my whole fucking... Like, why are you doing this then? I'm taking a ton of medicine. I'm like growing tits and planning on getting bigger tits surgically put in my body. Not because I just think like, like, isn't that embarrassing and humiliate me, mommy? Like, no, I'm doing that because it's like, that's who I am. Also, because that's what I want to look like and think it would be cool. It's weird to feel like you have to justify your identity. I also want to point out that, like, this is the same argument that is used um, by, like, men's rights activists and incels about women who are into rape fantasies, which like, hello, right here. Me too. And I feel like most of my friends who are women have rape fantasies. And it's not because we're out here trying to get raped and we want that. And that's like an example that women want to be subjugated. No, that is a safe way to interact with a thing that is a daily fucking fear and reality. And it's the same way that you were saying, hey, I'm not trans because of trauma, but being trans comes with trauma in this country and in this culture. Same with being a woman. It comes with a ton of trauma. And the way we work through that trauma is in these different safe ways. So just because I watch something that makes me get off in a way where I'm like, okay, now I shut my laptop and I'm done, or it's in my bedroom where I control it, does not mean I'm out here just being like, well, uh, I'm just want to be subjugated. And really, I'm just looking to get raped. That is not what fantasies are. I totally agree. All right, y'all, it's back to school for your sex education because we just got new Like a Kitten boxes. I love Like a Kitten time. When that box comes, I am so thrilled to crack it open. There's always so many fun things there. What did you get this time? Oh my God, I got so much stuff. Those sound effects that you heard earlier, those were actually our orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just our clits vibrating. That's what you heard. (laughs) Okay, let me talk you through it, Sophia. I got Think Clean Thoughts toy cleaner because I needed some new toy cleaner. I was getting really dirty, and so I'm very happy to have that. I got some new kitten ears, which I know you'll appreciate. (laughs) She's looking at me literally wearing my cat ear headphones as we record, so yes. Perhaps my favorite thing is called Pleasure Hunter. It's a Pleasure Hunter vibe, anal beads, a rabbit, and a twin tip. So... 
Talk oh, about shit. a jack-off vest. Let me tell you. Oh, shit. That looks really good. I think I'm going to have to get that next time. But, so, if you're a renowned Sagittarius. <laughs> yes, here's the thing. I normally am completely ambivalent about astrology unless things in my life are falling apart. And then I immediately go to it because I am insane. And then you're so, like, this is totally real. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this will work. This one will work. Um, so, yeah, anyway, because of, you know, the world falling apart, I have been anxious. So, immediately, I was like, a Sagittarius box? Yes. So I ordered that. It comes with a really cool like lapis lazuli little like necklace. And it's got like a like a ginger spiced clip balm Ooh. that I'm excited to use with like the little finger vibe that also comes with that is hella powerful. So yeah, all of that looks great. I also got a bath bomb. I got a book about goddesses Damn. that I'm very excited to learn about. And I got a little cute black um, satin robe with a kitten embroidery on it. I got a robe it. too. I love Ooh, it. Oh, did you got a black one too? Or did you get another color? I got a black one, but I got the fuzzy one. Yeah, I got the like silky one and it's, it's really cute. And what else did I get? Oh, and I got some really good lube. Ooh. So if you want to go back to school for your self-love and your own sexuality, which I encourage you to do. Or you want to pamper someone in your life. Hell yeah. Well, you are in luck because right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Yeah, seriously, that's incredible. 20% off and free shipping. You guys, you have to go to likeakitten.com slash private. Meow. And let us know what you get. Oh, I also got these very hot bracelets that are actually handcuffs. Ooh. They're so sexy. They're Ooh. like gold and whatever. Anyway, get this box for real. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline, you wrote an amazing article for, I think, Men's Health. For GQ. GQ. About this kind of very thing, about, like, the safety of women and what you've noticed in your transition. And, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about that piece? Sure. I actually am writing a follow-up to that piece right Ooh. now that will hopefully be out soonish if How I can timely. finish If I can finish it. Yeah, so the piece was basically about the idea of, like, what I thought women went through when they walked home alone at night versus what I discovered they went through when I walked home alone at night as a woman. And it's not that I didn't know it was dangerous. I did, but I thought it was dangerous in the same way that it was dangerous for, like I'd been mugged in New York. I'd been robbed. I thought that walking home alone at night as a woman was like walking home alone at night as a man, just with higher probability of bad outcome. Just like, the process is the same, but you're more likely to get raped or robbed or mm -hmm. beaten or whatever than I was as a man. And what I found and what every woman on listening to this is going to be like, yeah, no shit. And it's like, yeah, no, no shit. I was a fucking dummy. But no, what I found was that it's actually like the very process of walking home is so fundamentally different because it's like, as a man, I was afforded uh, invisibility. I was allowed to move through spaces un bothered, but also unnoticed, unremarked upon. And now as a woman, I walk a block home at night and you know, at one, everyone's eyes are on you, men and women. Their attention is on you and their attention is loud. Even if they're not saying anything, 
it's that feeling of like, I feel like everybody's watching me, except like they literally are watching. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have people who, again, and this is so dumb. I feel like I'm transplaining, which no, thank you. But like you, you just have people feel totally comfortable following you, totally comfortable saying things to you, totally comfortable, like getting really close to you. The number of times that I have thought since transitioning when somebody starts talking to me as I walk home alone at night. And this is a little bit different, I think. This is more of a trans thing than a woman thing, though I think there are things in common. The thing I think most is, oh my God, I hope they're just mean. I feel like for women, it's probably like more of a, oh no, I hope they're like nice and go away. Like I, you know, whatever. Whereas like for me, it's like, they're definitely not going to be nice. They're definitely not going to be nice. There's no way it's going to be nice. But if I'm lucky, they'll just say mean things to me. And they won't do things to me. And that is a mindfuck. And it made me realize that the number of times where I'm like, text me when you get home. You know, when somebody would text me when I got home, I'd be like, oh my God, thank God, everything was okay. And what I realized in kind of the kicker of the piece is this idea that like, there's a big difference between being, between getting home and being okay. And like, you know, just because I got home okay doesn't mean it wasn't a walk full of trauma. And like, that is, I think the thing that I... Honestly, there have been so many things uh, like that where I'm just like, I feel like I have new appreciation for the women in my life. One, because I'm going through them now and facing the same thing. But also because I do feel like I have this interesting angle on these things because, you know, the next one I'm, I'm writing about is like being a woman in the workplace and like <laughs> how insane that is. And obviously y'all know this and obviously women know this, but the I think the difference that I'm experiencing is that I actually like lived the other side of the table often with the same people who are now treating me differently. And what it does is it, our society doesn't just traumatize women. It gaslights them about that trauma. Yes. So well put. And it makes them doubt if that trauma is actually real or if it's in their head. So for instance, it's like if you are, Pitching a TV show, just from my own experience, if you're pitching a TV show as a woman, if they pass on it and they seem dismissive of it, you might deep down be like, I feel like maybe if I was a man, I wouldn't have done that. But you don't really have confirmation that that's true. And there's part of you, at least according to my friends who I've talked to about this, and that could just be their experience, but there's part of them that's always like, but maybe, how do I know though? Maybe it's just like, this isn't the right idea. Maybe that's not the right place. Like, Am I reading too much into it? It's not just that the trauma happens. It's then it happens to you in a way that then forces you to question your own experience of it and almost make you doubt yourself. Whereas I literally have like sold shows to some of these people and with some of these people in some cases as a man and had notes calls with them as a man and then had notes calls with them as a woman And by the way, a much more successful woman than I was when we had done this the first time around, when I was all fake it till you make it confidence. Like, I don't have to fake it anymore. Like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, Mm -hmm. I am the person I was pretending to be eight years ago, other than the gender. And now my expertise is doubted in a way that Jack's expertise, when he had none, was not doubted, you know? And that confidence it's all a confidence game right like and like that's where con artist comes from that's where you know it's this idea of like 
you need someone to have confidence in you in order to get what you want, in order to pull a con. You need their confidence. Like, all right, for instance, it's that there's that old expression that women love and I love now too for a whole different reason, which I'll get to in a second, which is God grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the truth is that's, I mean, that's real. <laughs> but the thing is it's instructive, right? Like it's actually like, if you want to like sum up what Sheryl Sandberg's lean in was about, that's basically it. It's like act like a white guy and like, you know, you will be maybe treated better. And the truth is, that's good advice. Like you do need to fake it till you make it. You do like women do need to accept promotions before they're sure they can do those promotions because the white guy in their position would, I say this as someone who was a white guy in that position, you just take the job and you figure it out. And I would see my female friends who are brilliant, talented, wonderful artists and women get offered show running jobs and be like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. It's like, what are you talking about? Of course you're ready to do that. You've been done. And they would, doubt themselves. So it's easy to just say like, yeah, do that. And what I now realize is it's like, well, after a lifetime of being told no, or being made to doubt yourself in a million ways, just saying, fake it till you make it, just saying, have the confidence of mediocre white man is the epitome of easier said than done. Right. Because it's asking you to like, deprogram the way society has programmed you and continues to program you on a daily basis. Real quick, though. Just do it right away. Just, like, make it happen. Just real quick, change the entire way the world works and your outlook on it. (laughs) And that's such fucking bullshit that that's, like, and as a pragmatist, it sucks to be like, and yet, like, yes, you have to. Like, that's, but it's the same way where it's like, there's this thing that's constantly happening, right, between idealism and pragmatism, where it's just like, this is a bullshit thing that we all this, this world we live in, but what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And the deck is stacked against you. I now have been assaulted three times in the eight months since I have transitioned, not sexually assaulted, but like f- physically assaulted. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it, it happens, but I could sit here and talk about how fucking awful that is. And it is, but the truth of the matter is like, Instead, what I spend my time doing is thinking about like, well, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? How do I make my life better? How do I make this safer for other trans people? How do I? And so like, that's sort of my driving, you know, whether it's in my career where I want to like build a place where trans and queer people can tell stories and build a production company eventually that does that. And like, that I can give people jobs and opportunities, whether that's like pushing to be a public person with a platform about this stuff to hopefully open more eyes to it, to make the world kinder, whether it's like literally going to, you know, city council meetings to talk about shit. Those are all like, they're not going to solve it, but they're like the best of a series of bad options of like, how do you deal with something that's fundamentally fucked? I think sometimes, especially in America, we are trained by generations of pop culture and our own myth making to believe that we are one election or one something away from fixing it all. But the truth is like as much as you should be politically active and as much like as much as all that's true, the things I find myself thinking more and more about are about like mutual aid, are about like building community, are about making life better for the people in your immediate vicinity 
that you have more control over. Like, I can't unfuck the United States of America. But, like, if I could fuck, like, the block I live on or, like, the bar I go to or, you know, my friend group, like, that, that's real change for some number of people. And, like, that also feels attainable in a way that, like, the guilt, for instance, the Writers Guild of America does not cover almost any trans health care. They cover four things on their list, four bullet points. Three of those bullet points are hormones, just set in different ways. So one bullet point is access to hormones. One bullet point is a therapeutic meeting to talk about the need for hormones. And the third bullet point is like blood tests to check your hormone levels. And then the fourth thing they cover is bottom surgery after some amount of time and letters and blah, 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 blah. That's it. Everything else, facial feminization, breast augmentation, breast removal, puberty blockers for youth, literally like a laundry list that's like a page and a half long of things that they deem cosmetic and therefore unnecessary. Now, there's only like 50 trans people in the Writers Guild. Like it's a very small community, um, which is itself a problem. But the Writers Guild of America holds up itself as having this incredible healthcare plan that every four years, three years, we sign a thing that says you can strike on our behalf. And the reason they do that is, or the way they get us to do that is by saying, well, you don't want to lose your amazing healthcare plan. We have the best healthcare plan and this is why and da, 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 da. And it turns out that's only true if you're not a trans person. Okay. That's awful. I don't, that's not going to change the world, but that's something like I'm fighting actively and like working with the union and working with other trans members and like trying to make it so that is no longer true. Now, is that selfish because I am going to need those surgeries at some point? Yeah. But it's also for generations of trans people coming up. If you're a young trans writer and you get your dream job, you should be able to like get the healthcare you need. Um, and the fact of the matter is I've had a really good year selling stuff. I've sold a few shows this year and I don't say that to brag. I say that to say like, this is about as good of a year I can have. Mm-hmm. And yet it would be more financially beneficial for me to work 25 hours a week at Starbucks and use their healthcare because they cover all this stuff than it is to sell wow. projects to multi-billion dollar corporations that will make them hundreds of millions cool. of dollars potentially. Cool it's Hollywood. more financial beneficial. Yeah. So, you know, that's an example of something where it's like, it's, not everything, but it's like maybe a little way to like make something better. But it's also like the personal is political. There's nothing embarrassing about wanting to improve where you are and what's around you. Like that is how we do get shit done. Like that's fundamentally how it is. It's like the people that organized unions weren't like bosses. There were people who were like, we need these fucking unions because they're closing the doors in these factories and we're burning to death. Like, maybe we need to do something. So that's yeah. how any change starts. So, like, I think it's super admirable and awesome that you're putting time and a face to that. You know, you try. I don't know. It's everything's everything's bad. You try to find the things that maybe could be less bad. Totally. Um, like, like nudes. <laughs> things to bring joy. I feel like this definitely lived up to... Right, this is one of our Fucking five epic star interview. I'm interview. saying. <laughs> oh, I love you both. You're so great. I know. I, I love, love you. IRL Can we hang friends. out? Yes. yes. Please. When I'm back for, are you guys both LA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereabouts? 
But actually, you might come to New Orleans. I don't know. Why not? I know. Maybe we'll come have. How long are you down there? I'm here till March. Come. Oh, we were gonna go. We actually, do, we want to tour the. Uh, what am I trying to say? The, whore, the old whorehouses. <laughs> oh, yeah, come. Brothels. Oh, my God. Please, <laughs> please you... come to the old whorehouses. And that the last amazing. time I was in New Orleans, I mean, the only time I've been, it was like the fucking best trip. You know, I literally canoed on the bayou. I ate Bananas Foster, the place that invented Bananas Foster. Like that shit was fucking sick. My friend is a chef over there. It, it was just epic. Oh, my God. Um. Oh, shoot. I have a phone call. I have to hop on. Yes, um, this was go in peace. Thank you so you much. I, thank you, thank I adore you. you. And this was amazing. And we're going to have to do it again. So I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know our new BFF. <laughs> This is really hilarious, you guys, but the interview actually ended because Jacqueline had to go take a call for her badass job. (laughs) And we had just been on the Zoom for like, I don't know, an hour and a half at that point. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was definitely one of those things where it's like, um, how much of this is an interview and how much of this is you guys trying to date me on air? <laughs> we definitely really enjoyed the whole interview and didn't want it to end. So thank you again, Jacqueline, for sharing your experience and giving us a lot to think about. There is a lot to learn from this conversation and we're excited you chose us. <laughs> <laughs> you corny bitch. <laughs> Welcome back anytime. (laughs) No, this one is you just flirting solo. I do not subscribe to that. I am smoother, Jacqueline. Call me first. No, call us together. But (laughs) listeners, we have... (laughs) Listen, we got more where this came from because, believe it or not, our Belize series is literally coming up next and privates. It is fucking worth the wait. It's fantastic. Yeah, dude, this is mm, a delicious series that we've been dying to share with you guys. Until then, you can chat with us about the show, about Jacqueline, about anything. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Sophia. That's S-O-F-I-Y-A. And you can find Cokes at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K, on everywhere. Everywhere you can come find me. And you can find the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and Facebook and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. P.S. Fuck Facebook. <laughs> P.S. Yes, fuck Facebook. Also, if you want to sign up for our newsletter where we give you some hot tips, mm. sex and travel, all kinds of interesting stats, awesome mini interviews, has some masturbation tips. It has product recommendations. Deal breakers, dating. It's amazing. You can sign up for that on privatepartsunknown.com. We'll see you in the inbox. Martha Stewart voice. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You can find her on Spotify, her last name spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. Michael!
dream. But it's still pretty good. Who doesn't love a dry hump? Michael. <laughs> I feel like we successfully sexually harassed our editor in our outro, so we should stop now. <laughs> and also just egregiously butchered every note that there is known to man. <laughs> That's what they call a double whammy. <laughs> Bam! I'd say you got kernered, but nope. <laughs> you got self and coked, man. Ooh, don't get coaxed. <laughs> and now it's time for... The review of the week. I wish we had a new review to read you guys. We do. It's I could see the number changed, but I can't read the review. So I don't know what happened if that happened in another country. We appreciate you wherever it happened, but we need more reviews. Can you send us more reviews? You don't want me to fucking yell at you again, or yeah. maybe you do, in which case still leave a review and then I'll yell at you even better. Actually, we're going to withhold any more Sophia yelling. That's right. You don't deserve this yelling, daddy. When you drop that review, she will give you a proper roast. And until then, you will have to imagine it in your head. And I might even throw in a little spanky spank for free. Oh, an audio spank. Oh yes. my God. But only if you leave that review, so. Actually, privates, let us know what you like in the review. You know, you want us to do some ASMR? We will do that. We will yell. We will dedicate a whole fucking minute of our podcast to you. So you decide privates by leaving us a review. You go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Leave us a rating and review. We don't like to beg. Not just that, though. You can recommend any topics you want to see us cover. You can shout out something you like. Anything. Compliment guests. If you like Jacqueline as much as we did, fucking leave a review for her. That's the least you could do. Exactly. So anyway, I hope you guys feel like you're in the doghouse because you are. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.